Thank you, brothers. We are blessed when you come. Good morning, everyone. It's, it's really good to see you. And I'm glad we can be together again and worship the God whom we have committed our lives to, whom we love and whom we serve, and who has redeemed us from our sins and granted to us eternal life. What a joy. So welcome to, of course, to all of you who, for whom this is home, but also to anyone who is a guest. You are welcome here. Join us for worship. I'm going to open with a few verses from Psalm 107. It begins like this. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom he has redeemed from trouble and gathered in from the lands, from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And then this psalm goes on to say how people in different situations are in trouble and how God saves them. And then I'll read the closing verses. Psalm 107 at verse 33. He turns rivers into a desert, springs of water into thirsty ground, a fruitful land into a salty waste because of the evil of its inhabitants. He turns a desert into pools of water, a parched land into springs of water, and there he lets the hungry dwell and they establish a city to live in. They sow fields and plant vineyards and get a fruitful yield. By his blessing, they multiply greatly, and he does not let their livestock diminish. When they are diminished and brought low through oppression, evil, and sorrow, he pours contempt on princes and makes them wander in trackless wastes. But he raises up the needy out of affliction. And he makes their families like flocks. The upright see it and are glad. And all wickedness shuts its mouth. Whoever is wise, let him attend to these things. Let them consider the steadfast love of the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we thank you. We thank you for every good gift that you have given to us. It begins with the breath of God that breathes into us the breath of life. And we thank you, Father, that you have given us life and strength and health and joy. You have redeemed our souls from the kingdom of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of your marvelous light. And we praise you that you redeem those who believe you. Father, as we have gathered here this morning, I pray that you would add your blessing, that your spirit would inhabit our hearts and minds as we focus together on you, as we worship you, and as we listen to the word that you have delivered to us. Would you strengthen us for the week ahead and nourish us for our good and for your sake. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning. 
Take your hymnals and turn to number 557, Thy Life Was Given For Me. 557. next song is in your bulletin, Take Time to Be Holy. Could you please stand?
songs in your hymnal, number 440, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. Good morning. Today's story is based on the theme of thankfulness. It's called, I'm Thankful Each Day, by P.K. Hallinan. I'm thankful each day. I'm thankful each day for the blessings I see and for all of the gifts that are given to me. And counting the stars at the edge of the sea, I can't help but feel they were put there for me. I'm thankful for summers and warm golden days. I'm thankful for autumns of orange pumpkin haze. I'm thankful for meadows and bright colored flowers. I'm thankful for raindrops and soft summer showers. Each sunset is special. Each sunrise is new. Each breeze in the trees is a promise come true. Each evening's a wonder where beauty abounds. Each morning's a harvest of new sights and sounds. And it's nice just to know that beneath winter snow, the blossoms of spring are beginning to grow. 
I'm thankful for friends for laughing and sharing. I'm thankful for family for loving and caring. I'm thankful for all the kindness I see. I'm thankful for peace and for pure harmony. My body's a present of perfect design. My mind is a power as endless as time. And if ever I worry that trouble is near, I always remember there is nothing to fear. For each hour is laden with infinite love. Each second brings comfort and joy from above. And I guess in the end, the best thing to say is I'm thankful for living. I'm thankful each day. So let's remember this week to be thankful for the many gifts God provides for us each day. And Psalm 106, verse 1 says, Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Thank you, Val. It's good to be reminded to be thankful. Sometimes we forget. Let's look at a few uh, in our bulletins to see what's happening in the life of our church. Our missionaries of the week are Don and Shar Epp. I haven't talked to them recently, so I'm not quite sure what their plans are for uh, the road ahead, but uh, pray for them as they make decisions and, and plan things for whatever God is directing them to do. And uh, speaking of missionaries, uh, Friday night we had uh, Kevin and Ga- uh, Julia Garrett here. Uh, if you missed it, you missed a very fine evening. It was so good to hear uh, just how God uses people in situations that are just impossible uh, and how he trains us in various ways, uh, whether it be in prison or in other difficult circumstances. So um, it was a very good evening. Uh, also, let's uh, remember to pray for our Sunday school. Um, I think we have one teacher and one more is considering, so please continue to pray about that. And then also the uh, remember to uh, contribute, if you are so inclined, to this uh, Christmas child, Samaritan's Purse. And there you can see how you can uh, contribute week by week, or you can bring, <laughs> bring it all at once, if you like, and make as many boxes as you would like to. Children all over the world will... We'll uh, take advantage of that. And along with those gifts goes the gospel message, a message that saves lives for eternity. We also uh, have here a note of thanks from uh, John Lepke for that fundraiser. It was uh, quite successful, so thank you to all who participated. Then, of course, we also had our, our mission supper here, which was also successful, it was good to see people working together uh, for, for a common cause and, and see friendly faces driving by and picking up their meals. It was, a, it was a good event. Thank you to all who helped out and participated in making that happen. Also got uh, a note of praise here. Uh, Betty Reimer, uh, who has bone cancer, has been moved from Boundary Trails uh, out to Emerson to a personal care home. So... Um, 
continue to pray for her in her in her battle uh, or in her journey with cancer, I guess. And then also um, an expression of sympathy here this morning. Ann Kaler passed away Tuesday, October 19th. Her funeral was held on Friday, October 22nd. She was a sister to Mary and Lawrence Schrader. So I will uh, call the ushers up at this time. And would you stand to pray with me? Father in heaven, you are a great and awesome God. And we are thankful that we can be here in your presence. Father, we're thankful for people among us whom you have called and sent out into the world to take the message of the gospel to places where it is needed. We thank you for those missionaries, for Don and Shar Epp. And as they make plans for the future, we pray that you would guide their, guide their thinking and that you would open and close doors that would make it clear to them what they are preparing for or how they ought to prepare. We also pray for their marriage, that you would keep it, uh, keep it intact and strong, and that you would also uh, cause their faith to grow as they, as they walk with you. Father, we also pray for Kevin and Julia Garrett. You know the, the plans that you have for them, and uh, as they also try to make plans to return uh, and have, uh, get things in order, we pray that you would work things out uh, for them as they, as they go forward in your name to help people uh, and to, to bring them the gospel message. Thank you, Father, for them. Father, we also thank you for the, the work of our church the work that's taking place in it, the many people that are involved. You know that uh, um, the situation with our Sunday school, and sometimes we feel like, what can we do? Or what, what, where do we go from here? But Father, we trust that you have a plan, and so we're moving, moving forward in faith, looking for teachers and students. We want to pass on your word to children. Father, we also thank you for, uh, for Betty Reimer. You know that she is suffering bone cancer. She already is not able to walk. And Father, you know her mind, her heart, and we pray that you would help her to sense that you are there with her, that her faith will be intact and grow stronger day by day as she walks to the end of her days that you will comfort her, bless her. And Father, also pray for Susan as she goes to visit Betty today and takes with her some of the greetings uh, that uh, the people of this church has, have left with her for, for Betty. We pray that, that it will be a blessing to Betty and that she'll be encouraged. Then, Father, we also pray for those who grieve, for the family of Ann Kaler, is when we hear announcements like that, that we, we it, it kind of stops us in our tracks because we remember that it matters how we live. It matters what choices we make. And so, Father, as, as this family grieves uh, the death of a loved one, we pray that you would grant comfort, that you would grant peace, and that you would also grant a thirst for your word. May those in the family who do not yet know you 
be convicted and brought to faith. And that those who do know you, may they rejoice in the hope that they have, even as they grieve. Now, Father, as we want to return to you of the incredible bounty with which you've blessed us, we pray that you would use it for the building of your kingdom. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Precious Lord, take my hand, lead me on, let me stand. I am tired, I am weak, I am worn. Through the storm, through the night, lead me on to the light. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home. When my way grows drear, precious Lord, linger near. When my life is almost gone, hear my cry. Call, hold my hand, lest I fall. Take my hand, precious Lord, lead me home.
Good morning. Today's scripture reading is taken from Romans chapter 13, verses 1 to 10. Submission to the authorities. Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against the God has against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. For rulers hold no terror for those who do right, but for those who do wrong. Do you want to be free from fear for, of the one in authority? Then do what is right, and he will commit you, commend you. For he is God's servant to do your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword for nothing. He is God's servant, an agent of wrath to bring punishment on the wrongdoer. Therefore, it is necessary to submit to the authorities, not only because of possible punishments, but also because of conscience. This is also why you pay taxes, for the authority are God's servants, who give you full time, give their full time to governing. Give everyone what you owe him. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Thus far, Whenever we go through suffering, it's always difficult. However, the scripture points out at least four reasons why, as believers, we experience suffering. First, we live in a fallen world. Genesis chapter 3 tells us that sin entered the world, and along with this came the curse. Suffering and death are part of the curse, and of course we know that with the fall, things just don't work out the same anymore. I'm sure each one of us have had an appliance or a tool or even perhaps a car that we were in an accident with or whatever, and after that accident, it never ran the same again. So it is with man and his relationship with God and the rest of creation, it is not the same as God had created and intended it to be. Second, man now has a sinful nature. We make wrong choices and bow to our lusts and desires, and we sin, and when we sin, we face the consequences. The patriarchs, Moses, David, Saul, Ananias, and Sapphira, the disciples, and many other individuals all face the consequences of their sin. Third, we are in a spiritual battle. Ephesians chapter 12, verse, uh, uh, Ephesians 6, 12 tells us, 
For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the principalities, against the powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of the evil in the, in the heavenly realms. Thus we suffer because of the spiritual forces that are at work in our world and around us. Fourth, we suffer for doing good. That's correct. We suffer for doing good. Peter, Paul, and Silas, and many other believers were beaten, thrown into prison, even faced death, and were put to death because they did good. They did that which is right. This morning, message, message based on 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 13 through 25, I believe that the believers Peter's addressed that day were asking the questions, why are we suffering for doing good? And why should we submit to governing authorities that are not godly? Perhaps those questions have all been asked by us at some time in our lives. And this morning's, me- in, <clears throat> pardon me, in this morning's message, I changed my title from living a life of submission to suffering unjustly to glorify God. Nothing has changed in the content of the message, but rather the emphasis is on while we may suffer unjustly to glorify God, God still calls us to submit to governing authorities. This is, of course, when the governing authorities fall in line with the scriptures, and we are to do the things what God has told us to do. So bow your heads with me in heart, heart, I mean, bow your hearts in prayer with me today. Heavenly Father, I come before you to give you thanks. How, what a great and awesome God you are. And we realize that we can, unsuffer, we can suffer unjustly for doing good. We see that in the lives of the disciples. We see that in the lives of the patriarchs. We see that in the lives of people today who seek to do your work and yet they suffer for that. I pray, Father, that you'd help us understand the reasons why we suffer. And yet, Lord, we ask that you would give us the power and the strength to live and go through those difficult times. And so we ask, Lord, you'd show us from the scriptures how we can do that. I pray, Father, as we look into your word, that you would just illuminate the words off the page so it would resonate within our hearts so that we could go home, take and apply these things to our lives, For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Unjustly to glorify God. Suffering unjustly to glorify God. Number one, while living under, while living under an earthly government. Yes, we are living in an, under an earthly government. As we have already learned, Peter's letter is written to believers who were displaced, persecuted, and scattered across the Roman Empire. The power of God had transformed their lives, and now they were serving God. But at the same time as they were serving God, they were suffering um, for their faith. They were suffering persecution. They found that um, the government often did things that were against them. Peter tells them that they need to submit to every authority. Listen to what Peter says in chapter 2, verses 13 through 17. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every authority institute among men, 
whether to the king as the supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live, live as servants of God. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God and honor the king. Close quote. Romans chapter 13, verse 1 through 10, which Elsie read just before the message, runs parallel with this passage of scripture that we are looking at this morning. Because both of them address governing authorities and how we are to obey them as believers. When Apostle, when Apostle Paul and Peter penned their letters, Nero, the Caesar of Rome, was in power. The Christian population was flourishing. Things were going well. And Nero went on a rampage in order to put Christians to death. And it was horrible. He delivered them to the lions to be fed to them. And anything that he could do to eliminate and get rid of Christians, that is exactly what he would do. If we think our government is evil today, Nero was a, Nero's government was a hundred times worse. Despite how horrible Nero was, Peter says in verse 14 that those who govern are sent by God to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. No, Peter is not out of his mind when he says this. If there is no law and governance, there is no boundaries. As a result, people are free to do whatever they wish, and society becomes a land of chaos, looting, stealing, raping, and killing. So God establishes the law. He establishes even governments that are not godly to rule. That is why everyone needs to submit to a government that has the same law for everyone. And of course, Nero did not have the same law for everyone. He had one for the Christians and one for others. And yet Peter calls them to submit the same way that Paul called the people in Rome to submit to the governing authorities. It is to punish those who do wrong and commend those who do right. And it is possible to do right and still suffer uh, the con, uh, still suffer consequences. But once again, the principle still stands that if the government asks us to do something that does not, that something that does not go against the scriptures, we must obey. If it goes against what Christ tells us today, we obey God rather than man. In the next verse, Paul says something interesting. Verse 15, it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Obviously, some were slandering believers because they were saying that they were not living according to the standard of the law that day. Notice that Peter does not tell them to go out and find those people and debate them and tell them that they are. Rather, Peter says, live such a life, such a good life, that they are unable to slander you. Live such a good life that people will see and they'll say Christians are doing what they're called to do. 
They are to live and do their work in such a way that they would silence those who oppose them. In other words, let people see the excellent work that you do as a believer. Let your work speak for you. Verse 16 says, live as free men, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. Live as servants of God. R.M. Raymer says this, submission to a lawful authority does not destroy believers' liberty in God. Civil law should be obeyed, not out of fear, but because God but because doing so is God's will. Christians' freedom is always conditioned by Christian responsibility, according to Galatians 5.13, and must never be used as a cover-up for sin or evil. Christians, Christians enjoy true freedom when they obey God and live as servants of God. Close quote. We must remember that believers are called to glorify God, and that happens when we obey civil law, where it lines up with Scripture. We now come to the second principle of suffering unjustly to glorify God, and it is this, while serving under taskmasters, while serving under taskmasters, verses 18 through 20. Verse 18 says, Slaves, submit yourselves to your masters with all respect, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he is conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it. But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. It's hard for us to live in a Western society with no slavery to comprehend what it would be like to be a slave. We don't understand that. We have never been there. We even haven't even seen it here. Yet in many parts of the world, slavery still does exist. Believe it or not, it is alive and well in many other countries. So did this mean for, pe- for the people in Peter's time who were slaves and became Christians, what did it mean to them? After all, those who came to Christ were now free. Did it make a difference? Doug Humphrey, a pastor from the States, gives some background to help us understand this portion of Scripture. He states this. Let me read this quote from him. Peter is talking about our obligations towards those who are in authority over us, verses 18 through 20. Specify how we are to relate to them. Slavery in the Roman Empire was somewhat different from American slavery. It wasn't just menial, loathsome tasks which were performed by slaves. All the work of Rome was done by slaves, doctors, teachers, musicians, and secretaries, to name a few, 
were slaves. Since Rome conquered the known world, their attitude was there was no point in being rulers of the world and doing one's work. Let the slaves do that and let the citizens live live in pampered idleness. Yes, many slaves were treated cruelly, but some were loved and trusted members of the family. But one great inescapable fact dominated the whole situation. In Roman law, a slave was not a person, but a thing, and had absolutely no rights whatsoever. For that reason, there could be no such thing as justice where a slave was concerned. Close quote. Just think about that. The Romans went out, conquered other nations. They took the best of the people. They became slaves. Yes, they came and served in the families of the Romans. And there, these people were often treated as objects. Sometimes they were loved. But whatever happened, they had no justice. They had no justice whatsoever. They were objects. They were owned. However, a slave who found the Lord was truly set free because there was freedom from sin and the consequences of sin. For now they had real uh, freedom. The person who goes to prison and finds Christ has real freedom when he finds Christ because Christ sets us free and we are free from the penalty of sin. For the believer, the goal in life is not to get out of a horrific position that one is in, but rather to be an example to bring Christ to others, because this life is only for a short time. We live not for this world, but for the next world. Even though we only know this world, we are still living for eternity. We are only here for a short time, and the Lord calls us to live as Christ did. And how did Christ live? He lived as a servant. He lived as an example. He was in such a place where he was the Son of God and demanded that could demand that everybody worship him, but he came and he served as a servant. He was a servant. Slavery was a social order based on sinful world government laws and fallen man. This did not change overnight, but as Christianity took root, lives changed. Lives were transformed as people became Christians and people's lives changed government. And that's the way that God works. He first works within our hearts to change community, that changes society, that changes government. We must remember society does not change until the heart of man changes. And our churches do not change until our hearts change. And Christ comes and he reigns in every part of our lives. As believers in Christ, what are you to do when you are in a position or circumstance in life that you are suffering unjustly? 
And that's going to happen at some time in our life from birth to the grave. We will suffer unjustly. Peter addresses this in verses 21 through 23. The third principle of suffering unjustly to glorify God, number three, by living according to Christ's example, verses 21 through 23, by living according to Christ's example. This is what Peter says to these people who are asking that question, who are scattered across the Roman Empire. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Close quote. It was not only the slaves who found themselves being unjustly treated, but it was also others who were recipients of the letter that Paul, I mean, that um, Peter wrote. Peter knows the only answer to only answer is to point them to the example of Jesus. And the only answer to us is to be pointed to Jesus. What did Jesus do? How did he live his life? And how do we model our lives like Christ lived his? Notice the very first thing that Peter says is this. To you, you were called. You were called. To this you were called. Because Jesus suffered for you, leave an example that you should follow in his, his steps. We know this one thing. We've been called to suffer. We've been called. As believers, you are called to suffer. The Apostle Paul says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 12, In fact, everyone who wants to live a godly life in Jesus will be persecuted. That is a given. So when we suffer, it shouldn't take us all of a sudden by shock. What is happening to us? And it does in the Western society because for the longest time, Western society, the government laws were attached to biblical principles. And when you followed them, everything else fell in line. But as the world becomes more secular, all of a sudden, we will combat some of this, and when we go to do good, we will suffer for it, Jesus says. And Peter says, you should expect this, to suffer for Christ. When we suffer because we do wrong, that is commendable. But if we suffer for doing good, pardon me, if we suffer because we do wrong, that is not commendable. But if we suffer for doing good, that is commendable. Second, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. Notice, Jesus did not fight back when they were insulting him. Yet, 
That is often what we want to do in the midst of being attacked. We want to fight back. We want to get a punch in there, however we may get it, because we feel that we are attacked. And that is what Jesus did not do. Third, when he suffered, he made no threats. Let me repeat that. When he, when Jesus suffered, he made no threats. Jesus went through the incredible suffering during his arrest, trial, and crucifixion. Yet he remained silent, and he made no threats. When you and I suffer, we sometimes want to go out in the blaze of glory, making and and self-seeking, of making threats back to the one who is bringing suffering on us. That is not what Jesus did. He didn't do that. He made no threats. That's what we are called to do, to be like Christ. Fourth, instead, he entrusted himself who judges justly. He entrusted himself to him, Who? God, who judges justly. Jesus knew that sinful man could not make accurate judgments because of their state. And that is why Jesus put his complete faith and trust in his father because he knew that his father would judge justly. We are never, we may never find justice while we live here in whatever situation it is. And we aren't to seek justice down here. Whether we are to seek our Heavenly Father and what He says, because it matters nothing what others says, it only matters what God says. And when we stand before the Lord one day at the judgment seat of Christ, we don't stand before one another. We stand before Christ Himself. And he will reward us accordingly. And he will judge justly at that time. Heaven, and when we are there, there will be rewards. That is in God's hands and not ours. Finally, Peter gives these believers a special promise at the end. That can be, that we can cling to when we are going through suffering for unjustly, where we suffer unjustly. The fourth principle of suffering unjustly to glorify God is number four, by receiving Christ's healing, verses 24 and 25. I'm going to be short on this portion here, but it's a promise that we can cling to. Listen to verses 24 and 25. He himself bore our sin in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer seers, overseer of your soul. Close quote. In the midst 
of our unjustly suffering, Jesus will bring healing to our souls. Listen again to verse 24 with me. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to what? That we might die to sin and live for righteousness. And by his wounds you have been healed. This is speaking to the spiritual part of us. This is speaking to the part that when we go and we are untrust when we are are judged in the wrong way and we are put down and anything happens to us, Christ will bring healing in that place when we go to him, so that we can live a life apart from sin and live to righteousness. So how does this apply to our lives today? First, number one, don't be surprised when you suffer and suffer and you become a victim of unjust suffering. Don't be surprised because sometimes it happens to us and it just like it's like a whack across the head and you say to yourself, I'm doing my best for Christ and I'm asking him to strengthen me and I suffer for this. Don't be surprised. Number two, when you suffer unjustly, don't seek to get even. That's what we want to do. Get vengeance. But it doesn't matter what happens down here. It has nothing to do with eternity up there when we suffer. It has nothing to do. Don't throw a pity party saying, I'm the only one going through this. How could this happen to me? Don't look inward Look upward. And don't pretend, well, it doesn't bother you. Yes, it will bother, bother us, but if we look inside, the answer isn't there. The answer is always towards the Lord and is the Lord. Number three, always submit to those in authority over you unless they ask you to disobey God. In such cases, you must obey God rather than men. But realize, the authority of the land has been placed here. And when, we, when the government tells us to do something, obey it. When it crosses God's law, you can do otherwise. But make sure it's crossing God's law before you do otherwise. Sometimes we love to live an independent life and just say, I don't have to live in submission to anyone. Yes, we do. As we live under submission to God, we live under submission to the authorities that are here so that we live a life of an example. And people will look at us and they will say, their lives are different. What makes them different? And that gives us an opportunity to share the gospel with others. Live in such a way, in harmony with God, But in harmony with the world, when the world crosses that point, obey God rather than men. But remember, we have a responsibility to our local governments down here. Our closing song is number 577, 
when we walk with the Lord. 577. Please stand. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for the life that you have given us to live a transformed life through the power of Jesus Christ. And we realize that there are times that we will suffer unjustly for whatever it may be. Lord, help us to keep our eyes upon you in everything, and especially to live the way that Jesus lived and to pattern our ways after him. And yet, Lord, you also have given us a responsibility here. 
We thank you for the government we have. Although it may not, uh, the governments here may not all follow your word, but Lord, we can pray for them. And that is our duty and to be involved however we can help change society. I pray that you would give us that strength. Heavenly Father, we ask now that as we go our different ways, that you would give us the grace and strength to live as an example before others. So thank you once again for the opportunity to come to worship you in a free country. For this we pray in Christ's name. Amen. And listen to the benediction found in Numbers chapter 6, verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And may you go in the peace of the Lord. Amen.